You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This implies that this story that was told goes all the way back to when, again, Indo-Europeans, Indo-Iranians, Indo-Aryans were a single people, which that's like five, six thousand BC. That's so the idea that this story ma- maintained its form across vastly different migrational patterns, vastly different cultures, points to how important booze was to our ancestors. Hello and welcome to Drinks with God, a podcast about alternative theological experiences, death, and life. All of the following content is based on each interviewee's own personal experiences and is meant to be educational, not confrontational. Thank you for joining us at Drinks with God. You guys might remember us Bjorn from the very first episode that we that we aired, and he's back. He's back, and this time he has beer. Yes, this time I am not woefully sober. Yeah, uh, he got he got gypped the first time around. Um, and we're doing a I guess a one uh last time I called it the one hundred and one class. I guess this one's more of a, like a. a a, spe- a specialty. Yeah, this is. Um, I'm just basically going to be talking about um, brewing and alcohol throughout um, uh, mythology. This is an elective. <laughs> it's an elective course. Mythology for alcoholics. Yes. Uh, perfect. So um, I guess we'll just get started with your, uh, you know, in your wheelhouse with you know, Indo-European well, alcohol well, mythology. Probably start with some um, uh, the myths of Kvasir. Uh, Kvas was, uh, basically, um, this goes back to the Azir-Vanir, uh, war, which is an aspect of, um, uh, Germanic mythology that's specific to Scandinavia, the Viking, um, uh, Viking era, when there's sort of, a you had the split between, uh, one, both tribes of gods, which was really an outgrowth between, um, uh, the political division in Scandinavia between the cult of Odin and the cult of Frey, but that's a... Another uh, another discussion for another day. Basically, the Azir and the Vanir all got together and they spat in a big. They they was as a um, sort of um, part of their exchange of um, b- part of um, basically their peacemaking, if you will. They all spat in a big vat, and um, out of the spit came a man known as Kvasir. He was mortal but possessed the wisdom of the gods and the grossest guy. Probably at the party. <laughs> that, just putting that out there. Yes. Did not so, put that on my Tinder profile. Yes. Literally made out of Godspit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although um, uh, the fascinating thing is that goes back to um, now. I'll get I'll get to that later. But um, uh, I was going to segue. I was going to segue into another point at the end of the story. But <clears throat> sorry. Basically, um, uh, he wandered the land, um, uh, divulging wisdom. And then two dwarf brothers, um, uh, because uh, if you know your Norse mythology, you know the dwarves are kind of dicks. Um, uh, basically, basically uh, murdered him. Um, and used his blood to make mead, which is, which is basically, um, uh, you know, fermented honey. 
and uh, they would be basically, I would imagine, they used the blood as water and the honey and basically made what they called the meat of poetry. And if you drank from it, it would make you um, uh, an amazing poet. So, wait, wait, wait. This guy made of spit was murdered by two dwarves just for shits and giggles, and just because they're, like, massive dicks, they decide to drink his blood? <laughs> Like, what was the logic in that? The logic was they thought that they could use his blood to make magic mead because of how wise he was. Was making magic mead out of just things you killed a thing? <laughs> like, I could, I know the whole, like, drinking blood and, like, um, in, like, that sort of, like, uh, conquerors, like, hero worship cannibalism and that, like, that's a, that's a very, like, proto-history kind of a, a mm-hmm. trope, really, especially in storytelling, but... Like, Killing a random guy on the off chance that his blood will make magic mead. Yes, the dwarves are that much of a cup of a bunch of assholes. Like, were they already drunk? <laughs> Quite possibly. All right. Quite possibly. So, so some, so some dicks kill this really gross guy and, and start drinking out of them all. <laughs> yes, they all use, Dracula style. They use his blood to. Um, uh, they use his blood to make the mead of poetry. And then um, uh, the dwarves are basically because again the dwarves are dicks. Decide to murder this giant. Yes, there's a lot of murder in this story. That's okay. And um, they basically murder this giant by getting him... Mind you, it's never really specified why they murder this giant. They just kind of do. And basically what they do is they... um, They um, go to this giant and they're like, Hey, um, uh, if you help us go out and fish, um, uh, you can have some of our meat. You can have some of our magic meat. And the giant's like, well, okay. So the giant takes the dwarves into his fishing boat. And um, uh, the dwarves, knowing that this giant in particular was... Giants aren't particularly known for their intelligence, but this giant in particular was particularly stupid. And so they sank the boat, and they both grabbed on the driftwood driftwood to drift back to shore, but the giant was too stupid to figure that out, so he sank. And the the dwarves um, came back all um, uh, all soggy and wet and went on the giant's roof and started catawalling about how... um, uh, how the giant had this giant had died, so his wife come run, comes running out in tears, and while she's out, the dwarves brain her with a brick of limestone. Again, Norse mythology: the dwarves are kind of just colossal dicks. So they invent mead and immediately go on a murder spree. <laughs> I, I just want to say that, like the whole like violent alcoholic like trope that modern trope that exists for dwarves immediately, just like immediately. <laughs> Like, within, like, a sentence. Like, dwarves invent mead. Immediately start killing everybody. Like, that's literally the trajectory of this story. So, anyway. Oh, don't worry, the dwarves are about to get theirs. Um, basically, um, this giant... It t- turns out this giant had a son. Who finds out, gets really pissed off. Um, uh, takes the dwarves and says, Okay, you sank my father, so I'm going to, str- I'm going to strand you two on an island that's about to sink. And so he takes the dwarves, he puts them on the island, and the dwarves are like, wait, 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 if you let us go, we'll, um, uh, g- we'll, we'll give you our, um, uh, we'll give you our magic mead. And the giant's like, how magic is the mead? He didn't frisk them and just take all their shit before yeah, I, I, he stranded I, them on the island? Giants are not known for their intelligence. Okay, get, yeah. Giants are not known for their intelligence. Also, are sinking islands just, like, a thing? Just, like... <laughs> They just, like, have them, just, like... All yeah, yeah no, all, all, all across the North Sea, all across the Scandinavia, there used to be countless sinking islands. Now, it's a, it's, it's, it's the most likely a storytelling trope. Like, like, weird tectonic plate shifting as those yeah. glaciers are retreating, I don't know. Yes, literally, like, sinking island. So... The opposite, like, 
deposited islands. It's like new <laughs> islands appearing. It's like, oh, there was a glacier there. Now there's a bunch of islands in a lake. It's the opposite of what would be going on. <laughs> yes, actually. Anyway, keep interrupting. No, no, it's fine. So um, uh, the, the giant says, okay, if I get your mead, I'll let you live. And the dwarves, um, uh, the dwarven, the two dwarf brothers give him the magic mead, and the giant basically puts it in his, puts it in his mountain home. And then Odin hears about this, because, um, uh, honestly, there's nothing that goes on in the nine worlds that Odin doesn't eventually hear about, and says, I want that shit. <laughs> so he, under the guise, as Odin is apt to do, under the guise of, um, uh, just a regular old man, he finds the giant, this giant, and says, hey, let me work for you if I can have a sip of that mead. And the giant says, well, okay. So Odin works for, works for him for, um, like, a month. And then Odin says, okay, so can I get some of that mead? And the giant says, okay, I'll be right back. And, like, takes the mead and basically burrows into the mountain with it and puts it, like, pu- puts it in this, like, really guarded chamber and has his sister... Um, uh, look after it. Odin turns into a snake and follows him, because Odin can shapeshift. Um, uh, and basically then, um, uh, convinces, then waits till he's gone, convinces the sister to let him have a sip of the mead. She says, okay, and basically when she's not looking, he drinks all of it. Then he turns into an eagle, flies out of there, back to Asgard. However, according to the myth, some of the drops spill out of Odin's mouth, down to Midgard, and that is where um, uh, mankind, um, uh, from those droplets, mankind um, uh, basically got the ability to be poetic. So all poetry is derived from some spitty beard dribble that is actually fermented blood from that spitty guy that was first created by the gods? (laughs) More or less. Alright, I just want to make sure that I get this 100% straight. Mm. Yes. Yeah, but... I actually wanted to go branch off about this because this is actually derivative. Well, not derivative, but it's actually an expansion of a far older myth. Okay. You see, um, uh, back when um, uh, we're now we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, during um, uh, during when all of the people who would later become the Indo-Europeans were living in the Caucasus, they split off into three. You could they split off into three branch groups that would branch off into various cultures. But that one group was the Indo-Europeans, as we know, migrated from the Caucasus into Europe and would branch off into groups like the Celts, the Germans, the Slavs, Greco-Latins, Thrakodacians, etc., etc. And you had the other groups who would go south, the Indo-Iranians, who um, uh, would become groups like the Persians. And then you had another group um, um, who would um, branch off from the Indo-Iranians and head even further east, known as the Indo-Aryans. Now, they would eventually... um, uh, end up invading India, and there was another group that actually settled north of China, but um, uh, uh, but the Chinese government won't let anyone archaeologically excavate them, so we don't know much about them. Right. But Over down, like, through uh, through Russia into the Mongolian. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, there's like, there is a, yeah, they're definitely, they're in, definitely Indo-Aryan. Yeah. Um, uh, they're and, from, and as soon as they were discovered, the Chinese government was like, these people don't exist, everyone get out of here. <laughs> Because the idea that maybe that um, uh, there was an ancient, ancient China, that China got some of their ideas from Westerners, like, ten, like thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, would be, in their mind, damaging to their 
national identity. Oh no, there was some cross-culturization between ancient, ancient Russia and ancient, ancient China, and some of that might have come from further west. Yes. Oh no. Oh no, oh, the no. world is fucking ending. Yes, I oh, know. Oh no, all cultures originally originated from a single point and then migrated outward. Oh no. Yeah, I know. And 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 then and then over thousands of years forgot about each other and then remet each other and then exchanged ideas. Listen, cultures forget what happened within their own culture within a span of fifty fucking years. <laughs> I wish that wasn't true, by the way. That's actually your that's really sad. I mean you're right, but it doesn't mean it's not sad. Why do you think all historians are alcoholics? <laughs> You're very, very right. With that, I'm opening another beer. So, <laughs> out of all of the various myths that oh, you've I, heard of... Sorry, I was... Um, oh, I wasn't... I was fin- fin- finish your point before I ask my so, stupid question. So, <laughs> yeah, d- d- don't worry. There are all, no stupid questions, just stupid people. Okay, okay, there's derivative questions. <laughs> finish your great point before I ask my derivative question. <laughs> But yes, what I was talking about is you find in Sanskrit, which is um, basically an, um, an East Indic language, you know, an East Indic language that comes from that um, whole, that, that comes from the, 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 basically, well, right, my point about how you had Indo-Europeans, Indo-Iranians, Indo-Aryans, um, you had Sanskrit, which was um, uh, associated with the Indo-Aryans, and um, in that language, you have effectively the same story. You have the story of... Um, Soma, the divine drink of the gods, being made, and again, I'm not as familiar with this, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more familiar with the parallels than I am with the myth itself, but essentially what happened is, uh, one of, one of the, and one of the gods, in the form of an eagle, steals it back, and it grips, and it steals it back, and... It's effectively, I mean, obviously one is going to have um, East Indic, you know, um, Indian, in, in, you know, Native Indian um, uh, and Indo-Aryan sort of uh, iconography to it, particularly, particularly um, pertaining to Hinduism, whereas one's going to be more Germanic. But the, the fl- while the flavor is different, the core of the myth is the same, which implies that this myth goes back to the point where Indo-Europeans, Indo-Iranians, and Indo-Aryans were still a single people. Which is thousands and thousands of years ago. So the idea that this myth was that important? Wait, I'm. I do actually remember. I'm trying to remember. I forget if it's Brahman or Vishnu. I because most of my studies were focusing around um, Shiva and. Um, um, so you're familiar with what I'm talking about? Vaguely, only because um, just Soma tends to um, be brought up a lot in what I was studying. Yeah, and the um, uh, Soma's brought up a lot in a lot of the um, uh, the um, uh, Indic texts. Yeah, but no, I was because I was studying Shiva's relation into, with the Greco Greco Roman culture specifically. Dionysus, yes. Yeah, how like pretty much most scholars believe that uh, Dionysus and Shiva are, are and were the were the same cults at, at the beginning. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So that was pretty much what I was studying, but yeah, exactly. And I, I yeah, I, uh, I know it was um uh, like a very important god within Hinduism, like um basically what their what their a- analogy to Odin would be. Yeah, I don't think that's a, a, a Shiva story. I'm pretty sure it's a Vishnu story. It might be. I don't like I said. I don't remember the exact deity who was involved, but I do know that the, the soma was stolen, and one of the gods had to go and get it back, and they did it. You know, taking it and t- turned into a bird and brought it back. And again, while the while the flavor of that story is very different, the core principle of it is is essentially the same. 
And I don't believe that's coincidence. I don't think you can. I don't think you can say that's coincidence. This implies that this story that was told goes all the way back to when, again, Indo-Europeans, Indo-Iranians, Indo-Aryans were a single people. Which that's like five, six thousand BC. That's so. The idea that this story ma- maintained its form across vastly different migrational patterns, vastly different cultures, points to how important booze was to our ancestors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, my derivative question. Having studied and brewed for um, quite a number of years, do you happen to have a favorite myth or deity in relation to alcohol? Um, my favorite myth would probably be... Uh, my favorite deity in relation to alcohol would probably be Ager, um, who is actually um, a giant in Norse mythology. Um um, uh, the only, um, however, he's the only figure within Norse mythology who is specifically denoted as being like a brewer. He's said to have the greatest, the largest brewing cauldron of uh, of uh, and any of the, the divine beings. Now, a lot of people in Norse mythology think it's very clear cut: giants versus gods, the As- the Asir versus um, the Jotnar. That's actually not true. The giants run the gamut from being friends of the gods to not giving a shit to being active enemies. There's really an Ager would be in the camp of being a friend of the gods. So, the myth goes, and the reason I'm a fan of it primarily is because it involves the god Tyr. Um, now, there are two versions of the myth. You have the Snorri myth, which involve, which um, basically replaces Tyr with Loki, and then you have the Eddic myth, which uses Tyr. Now, I am a fan of the myth, but at the same time, I do have to point out that um, uh, the... Because according, according, because Tyr is um, a god in by the time of the Norse had sort of dwindled in his importance. Tyr is was originally the sky father. He was um, the he he was Tiwaz. He was uh, Twisto. He was the oldest and most prominent of the gods. By the time of the Norse era, he had dwindled in importance. So there are some aspects here at this in this myth that um, well you have to understand when the poet when the Eddas were written there was actually quite a bit of politics going on the Odin had not been the primary deity of the Germanic peoples for all that long and there was a lot of effort gone into cementing that role also you have to understand a lot of them were written either close to or directly after Christianization, so the culture was already beginning to start losing itself. But my, my point is that some of the details about Tyr in this story are probably way off from what actual Norse people believed. Yeah, and we talked about that whole transformation of um, what Tyr was throughout the ages. Yeah. Um, and also the whole how to judge the various um, mythos and resources that you'd find about the mythology in the last interview yeah. with you. But, yeah, um, exactly. I just wanted to... Oh, yeah, this no. is one of those situations, so I wanted to. And For I that, need to get another beer. Yeah, you get your you get your other beer and... Screw that, I'm switching to whiskey. All right, well, he's switching to whiskey. <laughs> all right, are we all set? I think we're all set. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I have an edit button. Oh, you have an edit button. That's, like I said, terrible power. Yes, I have the terrible power of an edit button. So... Now that you have your old whiskey. Yep. Um, Ardbeg Ugdal Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Brought to you by... Mm, exactly. No. No, they, it, they'd never sponsor me. Uh, 
<laughs> they never sponsor this mess of the show. <laughs> no. I, I am continually surprised that the rest of the network tolerates my presence. <laughs> I, I barely tolerate your presence, and I know you. I know. <laughs> to the rest of the legitimate network that I am on, I can, am continuously sorry. So, back to... <laughs> Back to your all-time favorite brewing giant. Um, yeah. Ager. So, all the gods are having a party in Ager's home. He brews all of his, um, uh, apparently, ale that's famous throughout the Nine Worlds. And he didn't have enough big enough kettle, though, to satisfy the thirst of the gods. Probably because Thor was there. Please tell me this is going to be a Stregonona story. A what now? I'll explain later. Okay. They're like, why couldn't you have gotten a bigger pot? And he says, this is the biggest pot I know about. And Lee Tear says, um, my father has a bigger pot. And Thor's like, really? Where? And off they go. Because um, if, if you understand Norse mythology, basically, as soon as there is a thing, Thor is basically adventure ho! Oh no, I'm aware. My all-time favorite story involves Loki just by not explaining at all, and Thor just being so, yes, let's do the thing. I don't need an explanation. He convinces Thor to wear a dress and get married to a giant to get something back. That his he hammer. Did. He lost his yeah. hammer. Which he didn't lose it, actually. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just like, let's do the thing! <laughs> and he ends up in drag. I love that story. Actually, I need to show you pictures from that drag show that I helped do makeup for. We actually did a musical drag version of that. That's... Oh my god. That's horrible. <laughs> so much glitter. That's horrifying. Yes, I need to show you drag Please, Thor. You don't need to show me that drag Thor. Please uh, don't. Alright, I'm going to just randomly text it to you one you're, day. You're going to randomly... Te- I'm going to open up my phone and say, God damn it! Yep, it's great. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't need to see glittery drag Thor. There are some things in life that I'd be dead. But okay. There's fine. some things in life I need to force you to see. You're a monster. I am a monster. Anyway, so... <laughs> They go off to find a giant pot for Aegir. Yeah, for Aegir. And so they go to uh, the realm of... Um, I'm kind of... All right, all right. They go to... They basically go to... Uh, Ikea? Like, where are yeah, they going? Yeah, they go to Ikea. <laughs> they go to Tyr's dad's house, mind you. Mind you. I already, I already explained how that's just bullshit. But anyway, um, they go to Tyr's dad's house, who is this giant. I, he basically says to, says to Tyr, is like... Okay, you can have you can have my kettle if you lift it. Even Tyr isn't strong enough to lift this kettle. And uh, then, of course, Thor um, uh, Thor lifts it because um, uh, the whole point of Thor is that he is that li- he picks things up and puts them down. <laughs> the whole point of Thor is that he picks things up and puts them down. He has nothing up here. In, in as I, I tap my head, actually, for, um, I, on I, a I podcast. I, I, actually, I kind of uh, always liked the idea that Thor wasn't actually dumb; he was country dumb. He's yeah. like, um, actually, um, he may not be very well educated or well spoken, but he's actually not dumb, and he sometimes uses that to um, uh, make other people look foolish. Like tangent here, but there's a whole myth where Odin is in disguise and he's flighting with Thor, i.e., throwing insults at him, and he's kind of on point, but none of the insults are landing because Thor's like they're all flying over Thor's head. I always read that where Thor knew damn well that um, uh, the, the guy in disguise is his dad, and he knows just how to piss his dad off, that, which is by pretending he's too dumb to get his insults. He's like, wait, explain it. Or, like, reacts to it in such a way that that indicates that you had no understanding of what the insult actually was. Yeah. I always saw Thor as doing that on purpose. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. I always saw it as him doing it on purpose because he knows exactly how to piss off his old man. <laughs> So, Thor picks up the thing. Thor picks up the thing. Tyr's dad is pissed. And here's the real crux of why I like this story. He's like, oh, wow, you managed to lift the kettle. Why don't you go out fishing with me? 
and he tries to murder Thor. Bad idea. So Thor kills him. Um, What's with the <clears throat> random, unnecessary murder just th- sprinkled on in for flavor? That, that's all- pretty much um, Norse mythology in a nutshell. At least the Lay of Gods. The Lay of Heroes, less so, but definitely the Lay of Gods. It's like, alright, this myth has been going on for about 30 minutes. Time for a murder. Does it have to do with the story? No! Is there a character to murder? No, let's just throw another character in. <laughs> murder them, real quick. Come on. <laughs> Yes, and so, at least it had, had kind of minimum two in every story. But anyway, at this point, Tyr basically stops being a character in the story because I don't know the the the, um, uh, the northern branch of the Germanic fan of the Germanic family tree really got their dicks harder with Thor. Oh, no. And Thor showed up, and then Tyr I don't know fucked off to White Castle or something. <laughs> fucked off to White Castle, jeez. You know, you, you know, you know. If I wasn't so easy going, I get ma- I get mad at you for blaspheming my gods. I really <laughs> just don't. I. I'm, I've known you for long enough where I really just don't care. <laughs> Tyr probably, once he saw that Thor could do the thing on his own, he probably just was like, alright, there's a hundred other better things that I could do with my time right now. <laughs> what are you doing? My phone was just going off. Don't, don't they understand we are, we, don't we understand we are doing a drunken, pseudo-informal podcast? <laughs> there is nothing even remotely formal about this podcast. <laughs> no, I meant su- pseudo-informational. I meant pseudo-informational. Yeah. So, anyway... Then, um, uh, there's a lot more that happens in this myth, but I kind of forget. It's just the end that I freaking love. Right, my favorite part of the story is what happens right at the end. It's basically, um, this giant's, in- okay, this giant's entire family, in- including, um, the grandmother, who's apparently described as this giant three-headed beast. I dig that. Um, uh, all show up and say, we're gonna kill you, Thor. And Thor kills all of them. Why? It's not explained how. It's not gone into any detail what the fight's like. Nope, Thor just, fuck you bitches, swings Mjolnir, they're all dead. So wait, to recap, the gods have a sick party, there's not enough booze, so they tell the, so they go up to the guy who made the booze, what the fuck, we ran out, the guy's like, hey, didn't have a big enough place to brew it, Tears like, oh, I've got, I've got the facilities... Thor's like, oh, I can help bring that back. The guy who had it is like, oh, if you can lift it, let's And then everyone fishing. dies. And well, then everyone dies. Thor ki- Thor ends up killing the guy who had the pot because they went fishing for no reason. Thor comes back with the pot, I'm guessing, to the part that's still happening, I'm guessing, and then everyone... No, no, the the, no, 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 The um, everyone trying to murder Thor happened on the way to the party. On the way to the party. Yes, on the way Thor back is, to the party. Thor is coming back from fishing, which he was invited to because he could lift the pot, which the party required. Well, that, well, that, that, giant, that giant was actually invited him out to fishing because he was planning to kill him. Because he could lift things. Yes, because he could lift the... Well, he didn't want to lose the pot. He didn't ask him to help, like, bring a table, like, f- like from the downstairs to the upstairs. He didn't ask him to help, like, move a piano. He didn't say, like, yo, my brother needs to, like, move upstate. Could you help me, like, load the van? He tries to kill the dude? Yes. Dude, I'd be like, yo, you're an alcoholic and you can lift things. I think this could work out for us. <laughs> There's a lot of random mor- murder in Norse mythology. but I yeah. know there's a lot of random murder, but this is why... <laughs> This is why I'm just I'm always just kind of like guys. There's there's a much easier solution here. There's a much fuck more, you. There's a much more lucrative option fuck, here. Fuck you and your fuck you and your 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 southern European ways. We kill things for no good fucking reason. Southern European? Do you know where Wales is located? <laughs> How many beers have you had? This <laughs> is I know I know you're, you're you tend to focus on the Norse mythology, but yes, Wales isn't that far south. I know Wales is well. I know. 
I'm being an idiot on purpose. Okay? <laughs> I know. Yes, Wales is located in Western England, and they're they're Celtic, and it's Brith- and they're pretty much the origin of Brythonic mythology. Yes, I know all that shit. Yeah. So, so just to recap, <laughs> everyone tries to gangbang Thor on the way back to the party, and he fucking murders everyone because he's Thor. All right. So uh, Thor evades awful, awful, awful murder from everyone for no reason <laughs> by being Thor. By being Thor. And booze was had by all. I guess they don't. They yeah, have they get they get they get back. I don't know. The the the, the, the story kind of just ends. The story like loses interest in the actual booze getting once Thor starts killing people. I actually, you can say that about a lot of a lot of myths. Like the actual context sort of gets lost once Thor starts killing giants, like a Michael Bay movie. Only not as stupid. Okay, because it's impossibly as stupid as a Michael Bay movie. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm. Obviously, oversimplifying. <laughs> like a Michael Bay movie does. <laughs> I don't have a lot of love for that man. I, I... He ruined Transformers! <laughs> How, that was my childhood, you shat on, you bastard! <laughs> Alright, enough, of, All enough right. of this. And my voice is cracked enough for, to, right. for the so past 30 seconds. Probably going to go... Let's jump on over to um, Egypt. Yep. Alright. Just a bit of a jump. Bit of a jump. Yep, Egypt. Let's jump over to Egypt and jumped up several thousands of years ago. Um, basically, this is a kind of a short one, but um, uh, it's well, it, beer was very um uh, very important in um uh, ancient Egyptian society, and like in most cultures, it was um uh, generally handled by the women of the of uh, a family unit, the brewing. And what they do is they would basically um uh, strain water through um. Uh, a very yeasty bread until, you know, the water had soaked up all the dough and yeast and it would ferment into something you could drink. I'm not saying it was good beer, but it was beer. I mean, it definitely um, uh, step up from the um, uh, Mas- from, um, no, Mesopotamia, Mesopotamian, Babylonian, and even the Sumerian beer, which was basically porridge. You know the usual them um, uh, eat beers? Yeah. Literally, they ate their beer. The way it should be done. Yes, the good, way it should be done. Good old-fashioned beer eating. Yes, they chewed their beer because it was basically porridge. But, um... Uh, no. How could you have any pudding if you don't chew your beers? What's the name of the... Mes- of the, the wow, Mes- not Mesopotamian. The Egyptian. Uh, God of brewing. Beas? Um, I, actually, I know it's... Um, according to myths, Osiris taught brewing to men. Um, yes, I know he taught brewing, but there was a specific household yes. god. He was like... Um, I, another dwarf, I believe. It no. was like... It's like... B E A Z Bess Bess, who was a um, a protector of childbirth, actually was the Egyptian god I'm thinking of. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like like a good handful of gods that are actually so- Egyptian gods that are actually associated with alcohol. Oh, there are yes, but um, Bess is the is the one I know of because he's specifically a household god that is very closely linked, specifically just to women's work of making beer. But honestly, that's not a culture I've done extensive study on, so I I should find an Egyptologist. Yes, you should. There's a New Year's resolution for me. Well, I was mostly... In October. There's um, one story I always find um, uh, fascinating. Well, not really fascinating. Basically, there's a lot of um, uh, Egyptian myths involving beer. I mean, there's unfortunately no real recounting of the myth of how Osiris taught men to, taught men to make beer. It just kind of like, stated he did. Mm-hmm. But as far as an actual myth concerning beer, um, 
Oh, uh, this you find this in um, uh, one of the um, uh, New Kingdom um, uh, stories. Uh, it was basically a legend about how, um, uh, basically, like almost like a legend about like the Egyptian Homeric Age or like the, or their, their equivalent of it, like an age of myth where men tried to revolt against the gods. And basically, Ra was like, "Well, we can't have this." All right, Hathor, um, uh, start start killing everyone. And Hathor, who's, if you understand your Egyptian mythology, that's pretty much all she does. And she's like, all right, got it. <laughs> all right, got it. So, Ra realized, shit, she's, li- oh, like, literally, she killed way enough people to stop the rebellion, but she was going to kill everyone. Yeah. And Ra's like, oh, shit, how do we stop this? I should have specified what everyone meant. Yes, I should have <laughs> specified when I said ev- when everyone, it was more figuratively rather than literally. I don't want you to exterminate the human race. Jeez. I should have said cap at five million. Yeah. Not everyone. Yeah. But anyway, so they needed some way to stop her. So what he did, Hathor, if you know, only drinks blood. What he did is he basically t- took beer and he dyed it to look like blood, gave it to Hathor so she'd get drunk and would be more open to the idea of not killing everyone. Okay. So. It's, it's a very, it's a very, I, I don't know the details of it. That's really all I know about it. I just thought it was funny. All right, so I'm literally ha- picturing, you know, H- Hathor's dating profile. This like Egyptian goddess loves murder and killians. <laughs> that's such that's such a stupid. That's so bad, but it actually made me laugh, so I can't get mad at you. I'm just trying to gauge how much you've drunk. So <laughs> obviously, a lot. <laughs> From for, for if my reaction to that was laughter instead of punching you, yes, yeah, yeah obviously, yeah. I'm still. I love how many stories about. The, like, divine invention, inventions of alcohol involve murder. <laughs> like, all of them. <laughs> that's, that's actually a interesting point. Is there beer? Okay, who died? <laughs> Holy crap, beer was invented. All right, people are dying. Oh, shit. Better, better dig a grave. I mean, this sounds like a great way to get into, like, you know, the whole cult, cult of wine and Dionysus and, like, you know, Greek mythology. Oh, speaking, mean, speaking of mass graves. Speaking of mass murder. <laughs> let me tell you about one dysfunctional family. <laughs> but, yes, obviously you have um, the myth about how um, Dionysus was the first, um, uh, again, you know, going back to, like, the Homeric Age when the gods were, like, sort of walking amongst the world. You know, you have the myths about how um, Dionysus, the child, squeezed the first great wine and from that, you know, made the first, um, uh, you know, wine. And then, I don't know, um, uh, well, uh, okay, if, if Norse mythology is just people getting pissed and killing each other, Greek mythology is just Thor's, that, Greek mythology is just Zeus sticking his dick where it didn't belong, or Hera being a bitch. Yeah. Sometimes both, and sometimes one is the result of the other. And I do want to take this moment to point out, since, of course, the main ads are going to be brought into play whenever, uh, Dionysus or Bacchus comes into, comes into the scene, um. The same way the questing beast just randomly showed up and then just as randomly disappeared throughout um, La Morte Arthur, the main ads would just show up, everyone would be dead, and then they would run away. Like, that's just how they acted. Yeah. It's just... And I don't know if there's a specific, like, term for that in, um, you know... Um, in, being in, a genocidal asshole? I don't know. Well, no, 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 just like this, like... It, it's it's here. It's gone, and like like that's I'm sure very much a, tr- a storytelling. It is story. actually, you know, the yeah. whole sudden emergence and then sudden disappearance. Yes, that's very much a that, mythological that, that non sequitur bit. Yeah, like that's almost like a running gag. 
In Greek mythology, yes. Yeah, but it's a murder spree. How is that a running gag? Um, every time the every time the, the it's, a, it's a bunch of drunk naked women that are killing each other in an or in a orgy of blood just, orgy. Yeah, it's a blood orgy. It's, it's, it's a, like it's, it's like a traveling the, blood orgy. It's What's like that? the Christmas critters from South Park. Oh my God! Yes, it is. It's exactly <laughs> like them. I because I, it's true. It's, you are a much creepier person than me. <laughs> and that's the case. Like, I'd be offended. I should be offended, but instead I'm elated. <laughs> I should be offended, but I'm actually, yes, that's true. Thank you. Yes. It's not exactly how it goes. <laughs> um, alright, I'm trying to figure out how exactly to defend Maynads, but, I mean... <sighs> hey, come on. I, I, Zeus was scared shitless of them, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I let you rip on my gods, you should let me rip on your god. No, wait, I'm trying to actually think... There are like several myths where like the where like Dionysus is not even remotely present, and the Maenads just tear through things, and everyone dies, and all the gods just kind of like run, duck and cover, run. The Maenads, <laughs> fuck. I don't think there was any equivalent of the Maenads, by the way, in any mythology. I think that they're just, they're just this thing that's unique to this to the whole Greek um, uh, Dionysus thing. And the only like, I mean, obviously, you could make the whole argument of. Um, turning society on its head and just, like, the whole, um, gender role suppression thing and just, like... But then why the murder? <laughs> I mean, 1950s, like, America. I can, like, seriously start to create... <laughs> a, have you read A Doll's House? <laughs> Fair enough. Listen, buddy. <laughs> um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, as any good lover of feminist literature would know. <laughs> Have you seen a girl walks home alone at night? Anyway, uh, <laughs> how do we get back into feminist literature? Where we just talk? I have no idea. You compl- This is totally your wheelhouse. Like uh, I have no interest, no knowledge, no anything of this. So it was all you. All right. So enough about raping and pillaging bands of women who hate male-dominated patriarchies. Male-dominated patriarchy. That's just like restating a point, just to drive it home. Before we tear it open because we've mistaken our son as an as a lion. What? I love that myth. It's such a great little family gathering. Um, well, anyway, anyway. Um, getting back to Dionysus. Getting yeah. back to Dionysus. Now you probably know. You probably know more than me. So you're probably going to correct me as I talk. I will not correct you. I'll just giggle whenever you're wrong. Um, there's several. Dionysus is actually an interesting figure in Greek mythology because um, there's some question about whether or not he's actually Greek. He might actually be a Thracian god who yeah. the Greeks adopted because they fucking loved the idea. And sort of through um, uh, cultural osmosis, he became a Greek identity. He became um, uh, sort of Greek in identity. And then you have the whole... And then, well, again, going back to the mythological origin of Dionysus, again, you probably are going to notice in greater detail than I am. But um, essentially, he as a, ba- as a babe, he sweeps the first um, uh, wine from a vine from... A man who was act from a vine that actually used to be a person who would actually condemn, and I'm not sure about that myth. I just know it used to be a person, and basically, then um, uh, I don't know. Hera got mad one day because th- that's all Hera does in Greek mythology: just get mad at things, um, and cursed him with insanity. She also has fantastic peacock guards. <laughs> fantastic. Okay, she surrounds herself with drag queens, and she gets mad. <laughs> I have friends like this. <laughs> that's all she does. I am a friend to friends like this. 
Shit. Am I one of those peacocks? <laughs> are you are you are you one of Hera's peacocks? Am I nothing but a peacock? But anyway, yes, so she got mad because that's what Hera does and cursed um Dionysus with insanity and then Di- and Di- and then Di- and Dionysus got healed and then sort of basically um founded this sort of cult, I guess, I don't know how else to call it, about basically based on the complete rejection of higher consciousness, the complete um, a submission to the orgy of um, the senses, like of drunken revelry and um, uh, and of excess and of, of course, you know, drunken murder. And he sort of spread this far and wide all the way to India. And which actually there's some evidence that there may be some historical truth to this. Because when Alexander the Great reached India, apparently there was a city on the far western bank of India that said we were founded by Dionysus. So the idea that they had gotten that far, like, so there might be some historical basis to the idea that this cult of Dionysus, this cult that was founded, and let's be honest, drunken revelry, had gotten itself all the had literally gotten that far. And then, of course, you have um, uh, when it was absorbed by the Romans, um, and he became Bacchus and sort of merged with, um, uh, and sort of merged with, there was already a, I forget the, her name, but there was a Roman goddess who was already associated with that kind of thing. But um, but it was a much more ordered, more structured thing, and only women were um, uh, and only women were allowed. Then you know they sort of adopted the then they sort of adopted Dionysus, called him Latinized at Tabacus, and that sort of changed into um, uh, sort of um, worship rituals that were much more in common with um, uh, the Greek idea of Dionysus. And of course, you had the old school Romans who um, uh, bit their heads off about it, but it didn't stop the trend. Yeah, and. and and they let guys get involved, and then one thing leads to another, and eventually the whole you know Bacchanalian affair happens. Then, yeah. then they lay down the uh, legal precedent to persecute groups that looked at the Senate funny, and then next thing you know, the newly Christianized Senate is able per- to persecute. You're jumping centuries here, listen, by the way. Listen, <laughs> like historically, you're talking like you know, okay, that's like that's like that's like 400 years of like um, uh, development you're talking about, and like. A sentence. All right, I'm paraphrasing a lecture that I paraphrase. Paraphrasing is an understatement, but yes, you are. All right, I took I took like a an hour's worth of information and I turned it into two sentences. Yes, for the benefit of moving the fuck along. Fair enough. Fair enough. As you know, I am not very good at moving the fuck along. I I will jump on a subject and I will just blather about it until no one gives a shit anymore. That's okay. We continue to give a shit. Have more booze. Uh, See, I've had beer. I've had whiskey. Now I'm in the mood for wine, but I don't have any. I, I probably because we were talking about Dionysus. Now, now, now I'm in a mood for wine. Fuck. Well, actually, on the subject of the Greeks, it wasn't just wine. But there was, in fact, also a goddess of grain that had beer in her wheelhouse. Cirrus, right? Yeah, mother of Perse- um, Persephone. Right, right. So remember, in um, uh, well, in Greek society, the high class basically looked down on beer because beer was thought as uh, a drink of the lower class, whereas um, uh, the um, uh, the erudite, the elite, drank wine. Yeah, and then got, what, shit-faced and went on, like, murder orgies <laughs> through the countryside? Like, yeah. really, how erudite are you getting? <laughs> how, like, no, well, that that's that's where you reach that perfect state of pure nihilism, where it doesn't matter, so you just kill, rape, and murder. God, you do watch Rick and Morty, don't you? <laughs> Rick and Morty isn't nihilistic, it's ex- it's existential, and yes, there's I a know. difference. Thank you. No, 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 Rick, Rick and Morty is, no, no, we'll, we'll start talking about, like, no, yeah, no. we'll get so off topic. No, at some point, I, I will actually do that, where I'm 
going to just be playing an episode of Rick and Morty and just shouting Nietzsche uh, at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not nihilistic, it's existential. Fuck! It's going to be sitting there quoting Sartre. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we are so pretentious. Oh, that's not nihilistic, it's existential. I am going to watch it and shout literature at it. Man, that will teach this television program. Listen, I already did an episode where I was reading excerpts from a short history of decay on this show. <laughs> Fair enough! You don't get more pretentious than that. I didn't have a guess. It was just me being drunk by myself with the reading out of the grandfather of nihilism. Yeah, as like, okay. like, manifesto. So you, you, you're, like, you're like a level six uh, pretentious literary snob. Yeah, I'm alre- I've alre- I, am, I am already over 9,000. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along, um, away from Egypt... Um, again, I only really talked about one myth, but that's really the only one. But uh, moving along to um, uh, uh, the Sumerians, I always like this one because it's just funny. And it also, oddly enough, serves as um, a divine explanation for what was at the time an um, uh, actual um, uh, realistic paradigm. Um, basically, uh, the story is as simple as this. Um, uh, Iana, who is the um, Sumerian goddess of... Uh, Love, war, sex. She's basically um, the. Uh, she's basically Ishtar. It would be fairer to say Ishtar was the Assyrian um, I- um, Iana because Iana was um, a much older goddess, being in a Sumerian goddess. But basically, it goes like this: Enka was the um, uh, Sumerian god of uh, law and order and that kind of thing. And basically, he, he was um, the chief of the primary city of Uruk, which was losing prominence to um, uh, the city of Iana. And, well, they had a mythological explanation for why that happened, and it's very simple. Iana got him so drunk that he um, gave to her the secrets of me, the governorship, the secrets of law. And she was like, okay, bye, and used that to make her city more prominent than his. Which, yeah, very, um, uh, very simple. And also what's interesting is the Sumerians did have a goddess of beer, Ninkasi. Who, um, uh, to the point where they actually had a, um, there's actually a reconstructed poem that is half a prayer to Ninkasi and half a recipe for beer. That, I mean, that makes sense. Like, throw your recipes in there so that people get it right. Yeah. That makes sense to me, because people are going to try and remember the prayer. Let me know if you, um, if you dig that up again, because I'll definitely post that. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's basically, um, because uh, I remember the hymn was translated into English first. And it was, they literally, they, it was, they, in the English title of it was Him to Ninkasi. Awesome. Like I said, I, I definitely knew the most about the, uh, it was, the, the Germanic stuff's more my wheelhouse. I mean, and of course, uh, the stuff of Dionysus, I mean, again, like, again, more your wheelhouse. Most of what I said had to do with, uh, just death and, so, and, uh, social upheaval, which, uh, is what alcohol tends to do. Both kill you and, uh, cause you to, you know, flip tables over and give the finger to your boss. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, I find it's also, though, um, you find the other extreme of the paradigm, it's also a bonder of uh, men. It's also a universal agent of sort of uh, strengthening the community. It's also a, as long as it is not um, uh, drunk in overabundance, I mean, there's a quote literally straight out of the Havamal where Odin basically says that. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, there is less good than um, is thought for mortals in an overabundance of ale. And I forget the, again, I, I'm terrible when it comes to exact, like, um, uh, quotes and things. I can paraphrase very, very well, but I forget the, forget exact. 
But the, 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 the point of it was that if you're so drunk that you don't remember what happened, then what good was it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, makes sense. So, this would be normally when I'd ask if you've got any, like, tips or anything for people who are just starting out. But since you are also a brewer... Okay. And you do make your own uh, meads and uh, ciders at home. And ale. For, for, oh, yeah, you do ale as do, well. I do beer as well. In fact, beer is my main thing. Oh, yeah. Beer's, um, oh, uh, yeah, beer's my main thing. It's just, uh, yeah, I do all grain. That's my equipment over there. You're looking at it. Right over there. Since you do do that at home, would you have any tips for somebody who's just starting out who would want to try brewing? Would there be any sort of um, beginner's tips or resources that you could suggest? Uh, look up how to brew. It's um, a good book. Um, it's definitely very it's ve- definitely very intensive, but um, uh, it's um, a good place to start. I would recommend, though, not starting with beer. Beer is scientifically, when it comes to the actual chemistry and all that stuff, the more com- the most complex. I would say the simplest thing to start with to get you the to get you familiar with how this all works is cider. Ciders are quick too, right? Ciders, the ciders are um, well. If you're going to do them flat, yes. They're, if you're going to do them flat, yes. They're very quick. But if you're going to carbonate them, that requires bottle conditioning, which can add an extra month. But it's not that difficult. Yeah. I would recommend looking into cider. Um, and honestly, you don't even have to be um, uh, interested in making good cider. You can basically just um, uh, as long as there's no no preservatives in it that specifically inhibit um, uh, micro microbacterial growth. You can literally get like go to a cider mill and get like you know. Cup and get like a gallon of the stuff, buy yeast, um, and throw it in there, put an airlock on it, and just let it ferment like that. I mean, it's basic as all hell, but it'll give you an idea of how everything works. Yeah, no, I remember people when I was in college who were just starting to dabble around with this freshman year. They would just have jugs under their bed, under their beds, and in the dorms, which is gross thinking about it because it's just all the possible macrobacterial things that were going on yep. in a college dorm under the bed but uh they were you know they're starting to brew that way you, yeah. you don't need a whole like all the fancy equipment you could get helps yeah but, but, but honestly most of that stuff i only need for beer yeah because you're dealing with uh, hops. Well, and... well, actually, the main thing with beer is I brew all grain, okay. and a lot of the extra equipment is required for. Um, well, think of it this way: um, with if you're making cider or wine or mead, that stuff's already converted into sugar. You just need to you just need to ferment that. With grain, you need to introduce hot water to it to extract the sugar. And the exact composition of the water in terms of minerals will affect the will affect the pH. It will affect the extraction process. If you're gonna make like country wines, like you know fruit wines, those are also pretty simple. I would recommend you know just googling um uh, just googling like hey tips for say if you wanted to I want to make a peach wine. Just type in how do I make a peach wine on the Google. You'll find results. There's a lot of resources online, but I would recommend starting out with some uh, how to brew. Again, that primarily deals with brewing beer, but the tips and information in there are useful regardless of um, what, what whatever you're doing. Although I would, again, if you just want to jump right into it, I would recommend cider is easily the easiest thing to make. And anything that you should look for or avoid if you're uh, looking at yeasts or anything like that? Because I know there's a whole bunch cider yeast. I recommend Nottingham, which is a dry which is a dry yeast. So that's like makes it even easier. All you have to do is rehydrate it before you use it. But there's much less hassle to that than using a liquid yeast. 
If you're making um uh, wine, if you're making a wine, depends on what you're going for. I mean, I usually, if I'm making anything really, I use Lavlin D47, which um uh, is uh, a dessert wine yeast. But I find it works extremely well if you're making like any kind of fruit wine. Even work actually, it's what I use for mead as well. If you're gonna make cider, I'd recommend Nottingham. Well, thank you again for coming on the show again. Yeah. Thank you all again for uh, tolerating this show and for supporting this show, both through Patreon and through sending me emails and interacting with me on social media. All of you who continue to send me hate mail, actually it's just two of you who do it with regularity and the rest of you are just newcomers. Um, did, did, did I get any hate mail? No, actually. Damn it! All of you are slackers. You're all just sending mail to me personally and nobody's sending anything for my guests. You're all terrible people. You should feel bad. Tell me I'm a godless heathen. <laughs> you should you should reach out to the godless heathens that I that I work with and that I interview and tell them that they are godless heathens because they are unaware of that. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> it's the only way I can get off. Because <laughs> <laughs> help this man <laughs> this man obviously needs help <laughs> alright but uh, if you have an alternative theological experience or if you could provide an in-depth viewpoint of mainstream religion please email me at drinkingwithgod at gmail.com find us on facebook at drinkswithgod you can find us on twitter I don't know why hell gets ba- such a bad rap she's actually a very kind goddess oh yeah no hell is fantastic and she's very very attentive to Loki too hell's doing anyone as bald or not Loki <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah. I sh- listen, I ship it. <laughs> and you can find us on Twitter at DrinksWGod if you want to tell us about your favorite ship pairing between all the various <laughs> mythological deities. Mind you, if, if you don't mind pissing off the gods and potentially t- invoking their wrath, ship them ooh. to your heart's content. I'm going <laughs> to... If you're like me and don't and uh, invite the and, 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 and actively invite and, and their wrath acti- and actively invite wrath, I'm I'm gonna say that I ship Lasarine with four. That'd be fantastic, actually. <laughs> I just looked outside to see if there was gonna be lightning striking my car, and no, <laughs> I'm probably just gonna die in my sleep. <laughs> No, that'd be way too peaceful for both of them. God, I'm probably just going to get, like, a terrible headache in the runs tomorrow instead. Yes, yes. <laughs> and But you should definitely check out our Podpeen page and subscribe to us on iTunes. And please buy some t-shirts or bumper stickers. They say... Oh, say I, the- I, I, I know a ship that would really piss both of them off. Oh, a- Marduk and Freya. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know, that that's just... Yeah, no, rage. Oh, my that's God. That's rage. <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible people. Oh, no. You know what would be really, really cute, though? Cersei and um, Isis. I'd be I'd be down. <laughs> They'd be like that really cute lesbian couple that's just kind of like, you guys all just need to chill. Yeah, they're just, they're just chill with everyone. They don't care. They're like, they're just... <laughs> have some kale. <laughs> have some kale. You guys need to calm the fuck down. Have some kale and some wheatgrass juice. <laughs> and it's like, you guys yeah. are fucking shit up. Sit down, honey. <laughs> I want to go over there. Half there half. has to be someone listening to this right now who we've offended. Listen, I offend somebody every half hour. <laughs> One day, eventually, you will sober up and you will punch me in the face. <laughs> but yes, please, buy some t-shirts. They say things like, ask me about my death anxiety. And non fui fui, non sum, non curo. If you speak- Ooh, I learned something new about death anxiety recently that I found fascinating. Oh, yeah? That... I always thought that um, death anxiety was 
just in general a fear of entropy, but it's not. There's a lot of people who have death anxiety who have a fear of eternity, and I thought that was really interesting because that had never occurred to me in my life. Oh yeah, no, there's there's two parts of it. there's two parts of it. And yeah, that never that never occurred to me. And I found that really fucking fascinating because my whole life, my death anxiety has always been a fear of entropy. And the idea that there are people who fear eternity never even occurred to me because that is so not part of how my psychology is put together. So I didn't even know that that existed. So that was fascinating. I, I remember that and I, I remember that because I was actually Google searching frantically last night because I just stumbled upon it and thought it was incredibly fascinating. Oh yeah, I want to do a whole episode just on, with a couple of different people. I want to try to do a panel episode on just death anxiety because that's such a fascinating subject to me and I try to work it into every single thing that I do for every single one of my psych classes and all of my professors hate me for it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you so much for listening and for tolerating us and you all stay weird out there. You know what I mean when I-